Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is a Rogue Media Network podcast. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. David Nuno, TechSags.com, will join us in just one second. Took time out of his day picking up his kids to hop on the show with us, so we're going we're gonna to hop on with him in just a second. He was getting his Bluetooth to connect. Uh, in the car so um that one this week jack i'm like it is it is so intriguing based on what's going on in the sec west right now and had a&m beaten miami would make it even more intriguing because this would be i mean not a coronation obviously you have to get all the way to the end but like they would be able to be like all right look here we are like undefeated rolling through you'd have legit cfp talk about them starting but they did lose that game to miami they're unranked right now this is a chance for them to to get back in it and we bring in my old buddy david nuno he and i i have known him since maybe my like third day in this business that's how long i've known david nuno uh, from texags.com uh, david thanks so much for hopping on this is this is such an interesting, like, there's a lot of factors at play in this game here for, for A&M. How confident are they, not only this week, but moving forward in the SEC West, given that there's actual chaos in it for the first time in a while? Oh, there's a lot of confidence. Um, and, and I'll tell you, the fan base is very confident as well. Look, I'm, you, you know about the AS battered Aggie syndrome, where we, we think we're going to be good at any time we're really good. Something bad happens, right? Unless Johnny Manziel or 2020 season pops around. This one, uh, since I've been at Texas for the last two years, it's the most optimistic I've seen. The fan base, obviously, after they beat Bam in 21, there was a lot of optimism, but it was short lived because that just that team had a hard time scoring, as we saw last year as well. This team a little different because early on, and, and look, Anim hasn't beaten anybody of substance yet, right? Like I don't know if Arkansas, they're they're an SEC team that makes them of substance, but I don't know how good they are. Auburn played well with Georgia last week, but I mean they're they're not very good either. So until they beat a team of substance, it's a TBD. But you could say that about a lot of these SEC teams, to be honest with you. So I would say there's a lot of optimism. Uh, they got to prove it. They got to prove that getting to the quarterback wasn't just you know the two bad offensive lines. Although some would argue that Alabama's offensive line is not up to par. Uh, but to answer your question seven different ways at the same time, uh, yeah, a lot of optimism because of what they've seen since the Miami game. What did the did the Miami game expose them as having weaknesses, or was that something they went through and had and, and have adjusted since then? Where it's not necessarily a weakness; it was just something they were doing wrong. Well, first off, they couldn't tackle that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Two hundred and forty-two yards after the catch. That was just atrocious tackling. So that was, I, I, more than anything, that was the biggest issue. The other issue was DJ Durkin had to wake up and put some pressure on these uh, opposing quarterbacks. Like, uh, up until that game, Texas A&M had a hard time, even with that great defensive line, getting to the quarterback. Tyler Van Dyke's only been sacked twice this year. Both of those came against Texas A&M. So 
since that point, A&M has turned it on. As you know, the last, what, three games, seven sacks, or excuse me, last two games, seven sacks in those games. So I say that all to you, uh, seven sacks in each game. So 14 in the last two games, 30 tackle for losses combined in the last couple of games. I think it was a wake-up call for D.J. Durkin to get after the quarterback and show some different fronts. We still haven't seen that back line tested just yet, and the back line was certainly tested against Miami. Uh, but look, a lot of times bad tackling is because you're out of position and not sure where you need to be. There was some of that. We haven't seen it the last couple of weeks. Max Johnson turned the ball over a little bit uh, against Arkansas. Um, obviously wasn't you know pure his best effort, but he was still uh, able to make a ton of plays. Um, we had Tim Brando on the show earlier this week, and he, he thinks Max Johnson should have been the quarterback from the start. I'm not sure I completely agree with him, but they are in a better situation at backup quarterback than maybe you know 95% of the teams in the country, aren't they? Oh, no doubt about that. Look, Max Johnson, like this turnover thing that keeps popping up that people are talking about, really his freshman year he had some turnovers. But last year he threw no interceptions in the, in the couple of starts that he had for A&M. Uh, the year prior with LSU, as bad as they were, I think he had four or five interceptions that year. So, look, he's got a problem fumbling the ball sometimes. Uh, but the interceptions, that one I think was a little bit miscommunication between uh, the wide receiver and, and the blocking assignment there. And he's not perfect, but the guy that was a beautiful ball, and if A&M can protect him, which is still on a, a TPD as well, because the line has been much better each week, but they still haven't been very, very clean. Look, the biggest problem for A&M is not the quarterback, it's not the wide receivers, it's not even the running game. It's the dumb mistakes they make at inopportune times, and that's been going back a couple of years. You cannot have a second and two false start in the red zone and then not make the right play when you throw in the ball and all you have to do is go forward and instead you dance and lose three yards. Those are the kind of dumb mistakes that have popped up quite a bit. Arkansas, who had so many penalties against LSU, had zero against A&M. A&M had a bunch. You can't have those and be the team like Alabama. What's the difference in your mind between Jimbo 2022 and Jimbo 2023? A couple things. Um, first off, he's a little bit more relaxed. He trusts Bobby Petrino, and that goes a long way. And look. You've been a radio host a long time. I've done media for a long, long time. We get used to doing things our way, and sometimes even when we have a producer, we don't use them as much as we probably should until they earn that trust. There's no earning with Bobby Petrino. Uh, he has got the, the skins on the wall, so I think that has been a, a big help. But honestly, like I think he learned how to recruit differently because after the 2021 class, there were some, some folks that just didn't fit the culture, uh, excuse me, the 22 class, that didn't fit the culture of A&M. This last class has been phenomenal, even though the star rankings doesn't match up with 2022. you got guys that want to work hard, that want to be here at A&M, that understand that you may have to wait. In this new world of NIL, you got to be very careful the kind of guys you let into your locker room. And I think that was a little bit of last year. And I have learned, especially in the transfer era, where veterans matter more than youngsters on that particular season. You still build a team through the young players, but when you've got some, some men on the offensive and defensive line, especially in the trenches, that goes a long way. And they had a lot of young players on both of those sides. David, how critical a juncture is this for him in that 
we talked about it earlier. The SEC West is as open as it's been. This is what they hired him to do, was to go take this league. And not only that, look, I know that Georgia, like, we can talk about how scary Georgia is or isn't later on when they we see maybe more when they stop playing as bored as they've been playing. But the SEC in general could be ripe for the picking if they play this right. Uh, for him and getting off of the hot seat or – at least with people complaining this particular season to take advantage of it being wide open, how critical a juncture is it? Well, look, I mean, who isn't on the hot seat, right? Except a couple of handful of guys, right? Like you can only have so many bad years, Like You can have one or two and that's it. And they've had technically one terrible year and one year that you could maybe give a pass to because of the injury to Haynes King, which in retrospect didn't really fit what A&M was trying to do anyway. So, you know, that was a bad year. Eight and four. You, you don't pay Jimbo Fisher the money you do to go eight and four. You be, you pay him to have your bad year be nine and three, right? And there hasn't been enough of that. But let's not forget, before the uh, injury to Haynes King, this this program was ascending, right? They were really ascending. Last year, there's no excuse for it. They were that bad. It was horrendous. Um, I, I think he's got a little grace, depending on how this goes, right? You get blown out by Bama tomorrow. You know, that, that, that opens up a whole different conversation. But I always penciled this team as a 9-3, and 8-4 team because of the question marks I had and how much they had to grow. You're on your backup quarterback. And I, Brando can say what he wants. I love Max Johnson. But Connor Wigman has got more upside than most quarterbacks, young quarterbacks in college football, right? You, you, you mentioned the Quinn Ewers, the Connor Wigman. Like, there's, there's a certain brand, Cole uh, Kubelik, like there's uh, – hey, Kubelik, excuse me. There's a, a brand of quarterback that, you know, there's a lot of upside. So you're on your backup quarterback. I, I don't even know if Evan Stewart's going to be good to go tomorrow. He's got a banged-up ankle. There's, I don't want to say those as excuses. What I'm saying is the totality of the season will tell me more than what tomorrow tells me. But what tomorrow can do is set this team up to be in pole position for the SEC West. If Bama wins, they're probably going to wrap it up because they already have most of their hard games out of the way. A&M will be out of the way. Ole Miss will be out of the way. They'll still have LSU, but they get LSU at home. For A&M, this is just a big test. Like a test that the last two years where I think you've had an inferior team to Alabama, you've gone down to the last play and you split those. If you win tomorrow, that means you've alternated victories against LSU and Alabama in four straight years in uh, each year. So that would be a huge win for Jimbo Fisher, putting them on path at least to be in full position for the West, something we haven't been able to say in mid-October at all since Jimbo's been here. With Texas – being who they are this year and being very, very, very good and perhaps CFP caliber when it's all said and done, how much um, buzz is there about them coming in the league being so good? Like, they, like I know that a couple years ago when it was announced they were coming back, obviously there were not a lot of people that were happy about that in College Station, but that – um, but it was also thought, well, they haven't been good in so long, so who cares? But now they are good. What's been the shift in opinion in College Station on that? Texas is good, so don't take this as a slight to them. They are really good, and they are on path uh, to play in the CFP, right? Like that, That's no doubt. But I'm sorry, the two ranked teams in the Big 12, like, look, I don't know how good Arkansas really is, and I know the Big 12 and the ACC had their way with the SEC in these non-conference games. But here's the difference. Every week in the SEC is a grind. Auburn, who is terrible, went wire to wire with, with Georgia. Maybe Georgia's not the Georgia we're used to, but it's, it's such a different grind. So, look, 
they better jump on it this year, and it looks like that they might, right? Because next year, they may still be that team, and they may be on the right path because they got all the resources and the talent in the world. But there's something different about scheming every single week in the SEC. Mississippi State last year could have won the Big 12, in my opinion, right? There, there are a lot of teams. South Carolina could have given some teams some of the money in the Big 12. It's a different kind of grind in the SEC. No disrespect, because I, I love what Baylor can do, and I've been there with you, Paul, when they've been good. Um, but I just thought it's a different caliber of football from a week-to-week basis. On a one-off, look, Texas got Bama when Bama was still trying to figure out the quarterback situation, and Bama did lose considerably there in the fourth quarter, but it was a one-score game. But didn't Bama have the lead in the fourth quarter at one point? So, look, it's just a week-to-week thing in the SEC. Uh, get past this year, and you will be on the right path. But, um, it, again, it's just a different animal, I think, week-to-week in the SEC. How much do you think, though, that um... – the transfer portal it has taken a chunk out of the Georgias and Alabamas where they can't just, you know, roll out five-star, oh, this guy tore his ACL. Well, we got two five-stars behind him. It doesn't matter. Oh, yeah, it's, it's absolutely playing a role. I think that's why you're seeing some of these issues. By the way, we're talking about Bama struggling this year, right? They might loss. be a three-loss team. Yeah. yeah, with one loss, they might be a three-loss team. They may go to 11-1. Uh, and one. Right, mm-hmm. like every, I feel like everybody's down. Like everybody in college football, it's not like the Bama that has seven first-round picks a few years back. Right, it, it just feels different all around. And yes, those with the most talent typically find a way to succeed. But college football is very open at this point. You know, I, before the season started, I thought Michigan was going to win it all. I still feel really good about that. But you look. Whoever wins tomorrow, will be doing Texas and LU. They're going to have a real uh, good path to get there. What's going to happen in the Pac-12 with Oregon, USC? Like, there's going to be some teams out there with a real path, and in a one-off, who knows what can happen? We saw what TCU was able to do to get to the championship game. I don't think Georgia's the same Georgia team, but it's, there's, they got time. They got time to figure it out. Nuno, thank you so much, buddy. Always great to talk to you. Love talking to you, brother. Thanks for having me on. All right, David Nuno, TexAgs.com. This has been a Rogue Media Network production.